welcome to Carry On Up The Village. I'm Christopher, and this is The Village. Sorry, this is The Missus. Hi, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope you like it. And Fiona, the traditional question now, did you like It's Your Funeral? I did like It's My Funeral. Okay. Though I'm going to get straight to an issue I do have. Okay. Not just with this one, but it's particularly pronounced with this one, Mm -hmm. which is... We have a new number two every week. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. They act as if the number twos are there for a lifetime. In this episode. And previous episodes, this has been an issue. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's hard for us to believe some of the things that are happening because you you can't square the fact that they're new to the role. And hence, like, for example... The Watcher and Number Two have an argument about whether the door should be to Number Six's house should be left open. Oh yes, from the little plot. Uh But you don't believe those two have a relationship because he's new to the scene. Mm -hmm. But they're acting as if they do have a relationship. Well, I wonder if it's a bit like um, football management, soccer management, insofar as when a new manager comes in, a new Number Two, he also tends to bring with him some backroom staff that he has worked Yeah, but the watcher has been there with all the other number twos. Oh, you mean all the controller, number 48? The controller, sorry, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, true. So you didn't really believe that they had a relationship. I see, okay. But then it might also be the case that the number twos come from usually a pool of known quantities, so they might already be... Yeah, but right at the end, Uh the, the premise was that the old number two was going to be retired mm-hmm. and um, they didn't, they want to kill him instead of letting him retire. Mm-hmm. And then uh, number six said, well, let's hope they have something sufficient for your retirement, implying he was going to be there until he retired, mm-hmm. which next week we know we're going to get a different number two. I just don't, I don't think it's explainable. Mm-hmm. I don't think you particularly want it to be explainable. Okay. I think we just want to acknowledge that, even the quirkiness of having a different number two each week is fun. Mm-hmm. It does mean that some of the the things they're trying to sell you is a bit weak. Okay, uh, of... as you say, I, I'm not I'm not going to try and explain it to you, but I'll just put forward this other point, which is actually mentioned here that the young number two is an interim number two. Perhaps they've all been interim number twos. And the old number two is the only one that's just been retired. He's been the real one, and now this blondie one, Dara Nesbitt, is the new. Real one. Real one. So that doesn't mean we won't get some more interim ones when he's on leave. Uh, but, oh, and then, um, and I didn't really get, uh, I'm not feeling my sharpest tonight, but I didn't really get why the young number two wanted number six to think their assassination was real and trying to convince old number two of it. Was it like a double bluff because that would put him in the jammer category and therefore they wouldn't actually uncover that it was a real plot? I think that's the, I think that's the idea is that, yeah, they want, if, essentially, if, if the old number two didn't hear about an assassination plot, he would be suspicious. Um, but because he did hear about an assassination plot, they thought that would mean he was not suspicious. But where that kind of fell down was that the old number two, well, he, he wasn't suspicious to begin with, and then he's, it was almost as if the old number two had never heard of jammers. 
because mm. you know he used the you've you've told everybody that's what they said you've told all the number twos that they're going to be assassinated and none of them have been and now you're telling me but then he thought well what if they've doctored what if that footage has been doctored somehow maybe they are going to assassinate me it was all very convoluted I don't think you know if if you sat down and really worked out all the plot strands I think there would be some that you're like that can't happen yeah. these two things can't but what I thought true. the whole premise of this story. Which I thought was really interesting is that <clears throat> number six could shake things up at the top. Yes. He could try and get them against each other. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting um, take on the power and the, and the potential plot lines in the future. Mm-hmm. Is if he can actually, I mean, <clears throat> we're not saying he out and out won because he didn't escape. Mm hmm. But they didn't win because they didn't get him doing what they wanted or or he mm-hmm. he was so clever that he outsmarted them. And he stopped the assassination in the end mm-hmm. and thus the rest of the village wasn't going to be punished. Um, but this is the first time that we think he's not just deceived them but made them question themselves. And I think that's a great change in power. Yes, especially especially given that they seemed to be the ones that were encouraging him to be involved in this yeah. plot at all. Um, you would have thought that, you know, point number one, they would have said, let's do this. But when we do this, let's make sure we don't end up fighting among ourselves, yeah. because that would be crazy. Um, but, yeah, that's essentially what happens. So it's a very convoluted story, and it's your funeral, about plots and counterplots. Um, is there an assassination? Is there going to be an assassination attempt against number two? If so, which number two? Who's in on it? Who's guiding the plot? Who's being used? Who is using others? Etc. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it never out and out said it, mm-hmm. but the story implies that number one called. Yes, number the 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 young number two had quite a few at least two telephone calls with somebody who was clearly his superior. And that was in charge of this plot. Mm-hmm. And that the watcher, is that the right term? The supervisor. The supervisor. Was mm-hmm. outwardly scared of. Yes. So it wasn't just the next, uh, the previous number two or anything like that. Cause... Mm-hmm. So, A, it makes me think there is a number one. Mm-hmm. Makes me think it's not a computer. Right. And that it's male. Because they said, they referred to num- whoever was on the phone. Well, as a male. a male. Oh, I see. Well, clearly number two, as we know now, is... Yes, the sir, chi- I think. Oh, right. Is the chief administrator. Well, that's what his big seal says. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not in charge. He's just the chief, admi- just the chief administrator. Um, interesting. Interesting. Uh, it seemed at the beginning that number six wasn't really the focus of this. It was almost as if they were using number six to draw out um, who was plotting. Mm. Because, you know, they made the girl go to number six. They didn't make her, they just hoped she would. Well, they drugged her and... Oh, that, yeah. yeah. Um, but then it seemed to turn and be, yes, yeah, still, you know, number six is involved somewhere along the line. Um, but it seemed as though... What did number six bring to the plot... Other than essentially to 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 disrupt it, 
you know, if the blonde, if the young number two hadn't involved number six, wouldn't then the, the watchmaker? The old number two wouldn't have been given, wouldn't been given a warning. But he would still have had the seal on on the appreciation day, and there would have been nobody looking out for the watchmaker um, hitting the detonation button. Yes, but I think they wanted to pin it on number six. Oh, oh, I see. So, so you, they killed two birds with one stone there. Number yeah. one, they killed number one. They Firstly, they, uh, they, they kill the old number two. And secondly, they implicate number six. So when the great mass village punishment occurs, well, they didn't he can say be it was a mass punishment. It wasn't. They said they'd only punish the, the people involved. Mm hmm. But how would that help them to achieve any of the aims that we think they might have so far of getting the information from number six or from getting him to work for them? Well, I think if they, um, if there was mass punishment and he could stop it, maybe something like that, you know. Mm. Oh, so he becomes... He does something for them. Well, for the he, gives, of all the other. he, he gives, gives them, them the information so that they... He... That isn't... When did number six start becoming so interested or caring anything about pretty much anybody else in that village except himself? He, well, this is... You've always had this theory that he's a bastard, particularly mm-hmm. against women. But I think he's always been quite caring towards women, especially, as they said, a damsel in distress, mm-hmm. which is what they turned her into. So you think that's why he... But we seem to be particularly concerned about when there's a mass punishment. I don't want it to be a mass punishment. Because he's a nice guy. Oh, okay. But yeah, he seems to be against a collective plot against the authorities, simply because of the outcome. Yes. Okay. It was a pretty... um, If the plot had succeeded, if the plot was ever real, because of course that's a possibility too, if the plot had ever succeeded... When exactly were they going to detonate the bomb that what? wasn't going to kill the new number two as well? He was standing right next to him the whole Aye, time. but I think it was only meant to hit the person that killed the person that it was attached to. Well, it was quite a lot of plastic explosive, I think, for that. What did you think of, uh, let's start in, in chronological order, the new number two, uh, the blonde number two? Creepy. Creepy. Mm-hmm. That's it? Yep. Quite liked him. That's because you're creepy. Am I just totally warped? Mm-hmm. I liked his sort of insouciance and his laid-backness and banging the uh, um, control panel with his foot. Just me? Mm-hmm. What did you think of the old number two? Oh, he was nice. Did you? So, yeah, I thought he was creepy. Like granddad. Mm. Well, look at all the things he had, if not presided over, at least been... Well, I never it. believed he was there for a lot much longer than this episode. <laughs> this episode. He'd been on leave, though. I like the idea of number two going on leave. Where does he go? Into the real world where he's not in control. <laughs> what kind of fun is that? And what about the, the two very brief number twos that we saw on the uh I think they, the were just, they were just the, the old number twos we have seen, but just they couldn't get the original actor, so they got people that were close. <laughs> Because there was Beardy Man and Woman. Who oh, were... that's true. It's true. I've never heard that theory. I've never seen that <laughs> theory. It's like they were meant to be the previous number twos that we have seen, but because we couldn't employ, engage the the, the uh, given actual. Although, 
has to be said, there was one bit where they really they dubbed over the blonde number two really badly, so they could easily have just used a bit of footage from the other number twos and dubbed them over really yeah. badly. Um, Do you know number two referred to number one as double O one? No, he that was number that was the guy in the pink jacket. He was one double zero, as in a hundred. Yes, but he, he, yes, he did refer to him as one double zero. Mm. What did you think of one double zero, Alan Bradley from out of Coronation Street, the actor Mark Eden? Well, there wasn't enough of him to actually be intrigued which side he was on. His pink, uh, yeah. his pink uh, blazer that was quite intriguing. Well, well, I mean, that was the only thing that we're back in the village, but we've got the the very of its time clothing, mm-hmm. the little cap hats that the women mm-hmm. wear and things like that, and people carry around umbrellas when it's not raining. Um, but yeah, you kind of they look odd to us, but you realise that's kind of probably what it was like in those days. Mm-hmm. In the very stylish. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what did you think of? There were two main women in this: the watchmaker's daughter. And uh, the I don't know what I didn't catch their numbers, and the number uh, the woman who ran the computer. Well, they're both young and blonde and attractive. Mm-hmm. The character she had no comment upon. I quite like the one that ran the computer. I like the watchmaker's daughter as well. Mhm. What about the watchmaker? Yeah, he was all right. You kind of believed him. Mm-hmm. So he'd been brainwashed into doing what he was doing. All oh, right, he did, he wasn't he was brainwashed. Was that revealed well, in the program? Well, the one hundred uh-huh. was manipulating him. That's what they spoke about. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. But he must have had some spark of uh, revolution in him to yeah, yeah. to carry on with it. But you don't know what was planted in him and what was his natural tendency. No, that's true. One thing I do want to talk about, mm-hmm. the trampolining. Kosho. Yeah. Yeah. I think by this, well, I don't know how far into the series we are, actually are. <laughs> we are. Some way into the series. Yeah, we're, we're in what is known as the second phase okay. of uh, of the making of the prison. So by this point in the series, mm-hmm. they know that we're trying to read into everything. Well, no, it hasn't been shown them. yet. Uh-huh. Sorry, okay. I mean... They know by the time they've shown this amount of the programme, uh-huh. people are trying to read into everything. So they're just fucking with us. <laughs> you don't think Kosho has a deep, a deep and symbolic meaning? No, I think they were stoned. You don't think it's an ancient Japanese art because of the use of trampolines? No, I think they were just having a laugh. Uh, what's the weirdest thing that has no meaning whatsoever and no rules to the game other than it ends when someone goes in the water? Goes in the water. Well, that's, that's enough of a rule, isn't it? But they, if they really wanted to get someone into the water, they wouldn't have mucked about as much as they did. They would have just put them in the water. But you don't know what the rules are. Well, there are no rules. That's my theory. <laughs> they just thought this would be a laugh. I thought, I thought it was actually quite good insofar as all of that is possibly, is probably true. But it did look as though... You know, when you see people doing karate or judo or jiu-jitsu or these kind of things, you do kind of watch and go, why aren't you just sort of kicking him now? Why aren't you hitting him now? Oh, well, the rules say you're not... You know, when the, when the Olympics come around and all these strange or unusual sports suddenly get an airing and you're, like, you're having to be told, oh, you can't do this now. All oh, right. I thought it worked quite well from that point of view of being, yeah, okay. 
I'm still entitled to a theory, but yeah. it's just knocking him out. What I thought was odd was that there was um, like a wall bar, a wall that you could jump onto, mm-hmm. but only on the long side of the trampolines, fair enough, and one of the short sides. Well, the camera had to be on the other short side. Yeah, but it seemed a bit of a disadvantage to, to one or other of the, the yeah. players, didn't it? Uh, I like the fact that there was you had a, a white helmet and a black helmet as well, as if in a two-player game you need to differentiate who your opponent is. It's like, yes. is that me? No, then that must be my opponent. I think it really helped swapping the stunt people. <laughs> so it's you're a not bit like when Patrick McGoo was doing his exercises. Oh yes. And suddenly someone who didn't look at all like Patrick McGoo <laughs> yeah, was, was doing, doing the exercises. exercises. Yes, the, yes, the most acrobatic ones were yes. not him. Yes. Any Patrick moments? I've got a couple. Uh-huh. Uh, one was when he calmly, instantly got to the nub of the issue with why um, why his uh, audio and visual was being... Tampered with. Well, whatever. With the ta- he, she, he was explaining something to the girl uh-huh. <coughs> at the table drinking coffee and he just very calmly knew straight away what was going on and why it was going on. I mm-hmm. quite like that. And and the smirk at the end when he got let the old number two escape. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another Patrick moment for me. I thought I thought I thought actually that bit is actually quite good because as the old number two says, you're not stopping anything; you're just postponing it. Mm-hmm. And it's as if he's going, yeah. So I've messed it up for the new number two, and I've also messed it up for you, the old number mm-hmm. two, and I've messed up the whole plot as well. So you know, this is the closest I've come. Well, the closest we've seen so far. To a win, I think, for uh, yes. for number six. Now, one other weakness in the story, which is the weakness in all of these kind of things, mm-hmm. is all made up. that the the day he found out what jammers were and what jamming is, it was crucial to what he was doing that day. Yeah. And as if he wouldn't have thought that might be something that exists anyway. Well, it, it just can't we learn something in one story that then you, you call back a next story. But no, mm. these are quite individual... I think that I think that's a function of episodic television fifty years ago yeah. versus episodic television today. That's true. Although I think I always and think, there was never a previously on the prisoner. On the prisoner, yeah. But I always think actually in that in those previously on moments on television today, suddenly you get something from like three episodes ago, and you think, oh, that's obviously going to play yeah, a part yeah. now in yeah. this episode. You simultaneously are given some sort of credit for remembering stuff, but also then just in case you haven't remembered, this happened. Yeah. So maybe that's no different, really, to... No. Here's a concept that's going to be what this story's all about, and you'll never hear about it again. Yeah. Okay. What about the um, active uh, activity prognosis? Oh, I did write that down. That was quite interesting. That, there, there's something a bit Matrix about that. Not Matrix. Minority Report. Minority Report. I think there's something a bit... You want to buy a sofa, don't you? Here's a sofa about that on your emails. You know, on you know, tailored advertising on the oh, internet, right. and it's like I say to you, we should get a new sofa, and I never write anything in in any sort of internet thing, and the next thing I'm just getting sofa after sofa after sofa. It's like, how do you know this? Somehow they put together sites you're visiting and things you're doing. And it does help. That places he you are does the same routine every day. Yeah. And they just happened to put a woman in front of him who wanted sweets. It wasn't. Why that- do they put that in front of him? The computer worked that out without them knowing why it had done that. 
but the, the computer knew that she was there and knew she didn't have credits to buy the sweets she does every morning. But they, but you know, but but, but the computer did that. Computer's very clever, Chris. I know, but is it not? Does not make you a little bit worried? Too late to. Be I'm just saying, now, in the concept it? of this, yeah, it would be more magical if they weren't so routine people. Well, when you live in a small village, you're going anyway, to be routine, aren't you? Can you just... I, I, I want to know what... I acknowledge your point, but I want to know what you think about this concept. Oh, in my in my world? In your world. Well, can we finish talking about the programme? Okay. So, I thought it was a... I think it would have been better if it was a bit more unclear why... how they knew that. But the fact that it was bleeding obvious how all of that fell together meant it was less special. Oh. Oh, because it was all routine. Mm. I was kind of focusing on the woman not having the money for the sweets. Yeah. And the fact that, that obviously activity prognosis in her. Yeah, but a few. They activity prognosis everyone. I know. Scary. But not hard to do. Okay. What do you think about that, Fiona? In terms of my life? Yes. Well, sometimes it's a bit handy, you know. When you want to buy a sofa. Yeah. <laughs> um, occasionally I get a bit up. A bit, you know, annoyed that they're selling me stuff I actually want when I want it. Because mm-hmm. that, that's losing my free will. Um, but it, it is handy. Um, it is nice to come across things that you would like in in, in the advertising. Um, but I always feel at the end of the day, I do have free will. Mm-hmm. I do not have to buy the things. No. Um so it's not like I feel that someone else is predicting my behaviour. I could do something completely random. Mm-hmm. And I always have that ability. So it doesn't upset me terribly much. Okay. Um, sort of connected to that, because obviously in our world that we can visibly see and appreciate, it tends to be for commercial reasons that, that we, you know, we're being predicted, etc. That could be political or whatever. Well, that's what I'm going to come on to. Authorities using people for their own ends. Good thing, bad thing. Um, I don't particularly blame them. Would you do that if you were an authority? Who says I'm not? <laughs> Are you doing it now? I don't mean doing it, I meant in authority. Um, I think you're naive if you think that politicians for decades haven't been trying to use subliminal messaging to get their voters. I know they have. Oh, I, I know they have. But I so think how is this any different? Because Because it's more sophisticated because, as you say, you have the free will to vote or not vote. But if they can... If they can predict what you're doing with such accuracy, it would be quite easy to manipulate you into doing some things. Not even necessarily things that you wouldn't agree to do or that you wouldn't do anyway, but just we want him to do it then. It's better for us if he does it then. And it's it's almost like it's kind of subverting your free will almost because you think you've still got it. Yeah, I can see what you say. Mm-hmm. Paranoia. Still doesn't annoy upset you. me as much as it seems to upset you. Okay, right. Because I am the person in control. <laughs> well, that's why you, you are the subversive. I'm worried now that me doing me running a prisoner podcast is in some way going to have some great effect on the world, and that you are actually controlling it. 
can't control you. I'm controlling your little world. Well, how do you know that you're not being manipulated to control me for somebody else for reasons that you don't know and wouldn't agree with? Because I'm the one in control. You think you're the one in control? Still doesn't bother me. Okay, fine. <laughs> Who was your favourite villager apart from number twos and number six? I quite like the watchmaker's daughter. Did you? A bit of spunk about her. Yeah, she was trying to fight back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mine was the kiosk man, because he was really pissed off that the old woman didn't have any sweets, didn't have any money for sweets. What did he buy? I want now, have I got this wrong? Number six bought soap. Mm-hmm. Was that the computer working out that he would buy soap today? Or did he buy soap every day? I assumed it was just the computer worked out that he'd run Today out of soap. He, yeah, a lot of soap on that. That's something you often see on a kiosk. Soap. But also, um, they're also watching him. They might have just seen that morning that he oh, ran out yeah, of soap. Oh, yeah, ran out of soap. So they watch him in the shower. Not like that. Or on the hand basis. <laughs> Could be either. Or beside the sink or something. I don't know. Don't get into that. Uh, I like the idea that they, they're perfectly happy as part of his daily routine for him to go water skiing. <laughs> uh, presumed though, I mean, you know, a trusted I, member I of the village he, is, is he's, driving the he's boat. He's quite efficient <laughs> to get water to fit water skiing in. Well, yeah. you got your half past six walk, then quarter past seven um, exercising, then he's on the water ski at eight o'clock. I mean, that's that's some change over <laughs> there. Quite impressed. I pretty, like a man who gets things done. Unless we, especially when he's got nothing to do for the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, this was we saw his the entirety of his uh, apparatus workout was can two flips and a jump. That's me off the water skiing now, and I just go round. I just go off once, and that's me done with that. And now I'm going to go and buy my paper and it's play not my. Getting changed though, with your water suit. Yeah. You know water suit. Water suit. Maybe that um, tracksuit he was wearing was uh, you know neoprene or whatever. Um, a bit sweaty on the bars, Other, other, other fabrics are available. If neoprene is a copyrighted thing, I don't know. Uh, Do you think we're diversing? I think we have. I think we perhaps we have. Uh, I haven't got anything else written down apart from my favourite subject. What's that? Uh, TV listings. Oh yes, let's do TV listings. Okay, first aired on the eighth of December, nineteen sixty-seven. Ooh, uh, Advent. Between yes, Advent. Between half past seven and half past eight, BBC One is our old favourites, Dactari, followed by all gas and gators. Blah, 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 Derek Nemo is now appearing in Charlie Girl at the Adelphi Theatre. Uh, but on BBC Two, they've always got something interesting, haven't they? Outlook, Yugoslavia. Uh, this week, Dalmatia. The development of the Dalmatian coast as a tourist centre is a striking economic success, which last year earned the Yugoslavs £90 million in foreign exchange and closed their trade gap. But only 20 miles inland from the glittering coast is another Yugoslavia, where problems still await a solution. Now, we've been to the Dalmatian coast, haven't we? Did you know that 20 miles inland, 50 years previously, there was a whole other problem? Yes, of course you did, because it was a... Uh, dictatorship. And following that, the money programme. The decisions made, the battles fought, the power gained, the money made in the world of business and industry. I think that's just a general... Um, <laughs> they just whack that on every yeah, time. Yeah, that's the money a general description of the money programme. The money programme's still going. It was certainly still going until quite recently. I've never watched the money programme. Oh, it has quite a good um, theme I, tune. I, I don't have enough money. What do you think? You were, you were grooving along to the theme tune to the prisoner today. 
were, you know. Do you like it now? Yeah, I missed it last week. <sighs> Even though the week before you said it was boring and dull. Well, eat my words. Mm, eat my shorts, more <laughs> like. Uh, do you have anything else you want to discuss on the podcast today? No, I think we're done, aren't we? Okay. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us to, you know, be truculent as we are, uh, <laughs> I think we're going to get to the end of this. And do you think it's not going well? I just, I just think, I don't know. I think it, it's not, it's not flowing quite as well as I, as I might have thought it might do. But anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, tell us that it's flowing perfectly well. Don't, don't panic. Uh, you can do so by writing to us at prisonerpodcast at gmail dot com is our email address, or on Twitter at prisonerpod is our handle. Uh, so, if we have nothing else to say, all we therefore have to say, Fiona, you can't do visual things on a podcast. I can't afford to make you laugh. No, you're like, what no what no podcasts? You're like Chad or Kilroy for any listeners from overseas. Um, is that is that a foreign thing, Kilroy? Well, Kilroy was here, was what was written. Um, so, you know, they might know him as Kilroy rather than Chad. He is, you know, the the man with a big nose and the hand that leans over walls in graffiti. If no one has heard of either Chad or Kilroy, they're lost now. <laughs> Look it up, Chad. Not the country, obviously. Or the um, things that you punch out of holes, uh, paper. Are they called Chad? Yeah, because it was a big thing in the presidential election in 2000. Uh, it was hanging chads. Kind of thing. Yeah, if they weren't yeah, fully yeah. punched out, did that count as a vote or not? Um, so, you know, all the way through that discussion, all I was thinking about was, what no votes? <laughs> what no bacon? What no whatever? Anyway, um, after that small diversion, um, uh, join us again the next time we carry on up the village. Bye! Bye. Ooh, it's actually...